Enterprise. Welcome to Project Enterprise, a podcast for ambitious people trying to figure everything out just like us. I'm Ben Metzger. I'm Jason Whitman. I'm Jonathan Billing. And today we have on a licensed real estate agent who's been practicing real estate in the greater Seattle area for about eight years now. And he works at uh, Real Property Associates. His name is Garrett Brown. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, glad, to be you, here. glad you could come by, Garrett. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just let's get right into it. You know, real estate, uh, okay. what, what made you get into it and uh, what do you think about it Yeah, so that you've been in it for a while? So coming out of college, I was thinking of, you know, hey, what's something that can, you know, kind of intersect my, you know, your passions and then also your skills, too. So it's like, okay, skills of following up with people, um, you know, don't mind making calls or anything like that. Um, but then with that, that could be car sales, phone sales, anything like that. But then I wanted the intersection of helping people, building long-term relationships. And so then that's what made me think of, okay, real estate something that's a long-term game. And so it could have been, I hadn't decided between wanting to do real estate, financial advisor, insurance, but any sort of something like that where it felt entrepreneurial and then also to a chance to kind of intersect passions and skills. Okay. So, so it kind of sounds like you kind of took some logical steps and figured out that's what you wanted to do mm-hmm. coming out of high school. Is that what happened? Or did you kind yeah, of find out about it randomly? N- not not quite. So, I mean, coming out of high school, I, I just thought, oh, um, I like sports, so I'll do sports marketing or something oh, nice. involved in that yeah. realm. And then realized, too, it's, it's like, okay, w- interning at a minor league baseball team when I was um, in college, it's like, hmm, this is actually a lot more work than it is fun. And what's something more that like sets up a better lifestyle? Uh, because it's, there's just so much interest in working in sports that, you know, it's a lot of yeah, internship, lot of low, low pay. Yeah, yeah, right. A lot of competition and everything. And the activities are still the same of it was calling to try to get people to get sponsorships or to buy tickets oh, and everything okay. like that. So it wasn't much different from, you know, real estate would be now of calling to, you know, try to get someone to work with me on the buyer sell side. So, um, yeah, coming out of high school, it was what's something that's fun. And then I think coming out of college, it was where's something that would be a good, you know, lifestyle fit and set myself up for down the road. Okay. So. Um, I guess we can start then with your education. Uh, what did you go to college for? Did it help at all? Or Yeah. I, and again, started at, at sports business is what I thought. Okay. Switched to economics just because I wanted general mm-hmm. business. And that was, that was good. Um, and it, I mean, I went in waves from you know, starting out living in the dorms, going to school, basketball, football games, and then community college for a year and a half and everything, and then back to a four-year school and then finished up. And so it was one of those things of, of I was glad to have gone through it, but kind of, you know, the end of, um, you know, college, it was, was more learning of time management. Yeah. You know, figuring out what I needed to do to get stuff done. Actual and, adult skills. <laughs> right, right, right. More, more adult yeah, skills. Yeah. So. You know, was it good to go to college? Sure. But I had my bumps and bruises along the way, okay. definitely. So you said you kind of stopped and went to community for a year and a half. Can mm-hmm. I ask what well, the reason was behind that? Bad grades. Bad grades, yeah. <laughs> in, in more, you know, direction, too, of it's that like... That was where the change was happening? Is that what you're saying, kind of? Or? Not not even quite yet, but okay. it, just more of, you know, not not focused, not paying attention, no, you know, mm. so... I can relate there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's what's that been like for you, you three guys? I know you're all on different journeys for you. Yeah, uh, just in in terms of like uh, 
you know, figuring like how to prioritize things properly? Or no, for more of like properly? school versus direction and here's what I want to be, you know, here's where I want to go, but yeah. you know, how, what are the steps along the way to get there? I mean, I'll, I'll, I could talk about this specific topic for a while. There's a lot of things that happen, but I'll just keep it pretty brief. Um, and I know Jen, John and Ben have uh, thoughts about this too. Um, but I, I, so I kind of run like a filmmaking business. I make fo- uh, promotional video content for people and comp- companies and businesses. And I knew I was doing this going into design school. So not really what I was doing. Kind of, you know, industry adjacent almost. Similar creative field, but not really in the video world at all. So I did that for, uh, I almost completed the program. Um, but about halfway through a year in, I uh, started getting some film work. Started getting a few small film jobs, which turned into more. And then I was getting to the harder, higher level classes. And it was harder to bounce them. I still didn't fail anything. I had decent grades. But I just took a quarter off, started doing more freelance work. So it really, I don't want to say it was a waste of time because it definitely, there are some things I learned about composition, about images that I definitely carry over and think about and use frequently in my work. But so there's something to be said that if you really know where you're going, that you can do things that maybe, you know, going to film school, there isn't a film school in the Seattle area that's good near the best film school that's closest to Seattle area is Vancouver. Uh, there's a couple in this area, but they're not very good. And then you wouldn't really want to sacrifice your clients and your current stuff that you're doing exactly. now to go to school. Especially because yeah. it wasn't exactly what I was shooting for in the first right. place. Right. Um, it just kind of vaguely cross-applied in some places. And I did running start for the first half of the program because I finished high school early. So I was able to get – that's why I stuck with it longer when I was out of high school because I got the first half of the program for free basically. So I was able to keep doing it afterwards. And uh, so I got out of there making money debt-free because I started getting work doing it already. So that's kind of what happened. Uh, There's a lot of thoughts and things that went in between there and me deciding, you know, maybe I don't want to go down this route and maybe I do want to do UX web design or something. I was getting kind of good at it and I liked it. But uh, actually, it was a passion project. A friend of mine, we wrote up a concept for, and that's when I was like, oh, that's right. This is what I want to do. I don't, I don't, and I got out of design. I was like, I'm getting work. This is what I want to do. So that's actually what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of made me relive it there. I didn't even <laughs> articulate <laughs> Sorry, that. Sorry, bad flashbacks. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's fun good, to Jason. think about. Yeah, Yeah. for me, um, I think it's a little bit diff- different from Jason's story in that I've always kind of had a general idea, at least, of what I wanted to do. Um, I've always been interested in running the financial side of a business, you know, when my mom would have garage sales when I was younger, I'd literally be drawing out, like, line charts of how sales were doing. It's always been something that's interested me. Um, So, going into school... You're lucky you played football in high school, man. I can't believe you didn't get the shit out of you. (laughs) Anyways, going going into college... um, Yeah, I knew generally what I wanted to do, but again, I still switched my major around a couple di- – well, concentration within the business school a couple different times. Um, I went in kind of just wanting to get a general degree like you, um, just wanted to get out and go do my own thing. But the more – the longer I've been there, the more my mindset is kind of switched to, okay, if I'm going to be spending my time here, why would I not get the best degree possible and do – you know, try to excel at this to the best of my abilities – so I switched over to accounting, mainly because it is kind of the premier business degree. It's the most difficult one. Um, and then at the end of it, there's a CPA exam, which kind of you're certified after that. Um, and it's a great way to supplement your degree. Um, 
so I've been working toward that, and you know, it's been great. It's been really challenging right now. I'm kind of in the middle of a counting student hell uh, this quarter, but you know, for me, it's been a little bit different um, from Jason, definitely, in that I've kind of had a general idea of what I wanted to do. You're getting close, though. You know, you're getting lots of great internships, and you got less than a year left, right? Or Yeah, I got about spin, about a year left. Yes. And then, Ben, for you, would the next step be, hey, I'm going to go get my CPA, work at an accounting firm, you know, <laughs> Good for question. a while, and then switch over to a CFO or something <laughs> or something. You, know. so you would think that being an accounting student that I would want to be Become accountant. accountant. Most most don't want to become an accountant. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, kind of the traditional path is to go work at like a big four firm, like a Deloitte or an EY. That's probably eighty percent of my class, Mm -hmm. more than that, more like ninety percent of my classmates. That's all they want to do is go big four accounting. I have a friend who works for Deloitte actually, like entry level job. He makes like eighty k. I'm not saying his name. Yeah, no, you do. You make you make pretty good money, but you got to work. 100 hours a week, if you yeah. prorate that down yeah, to, to an hourly salary, you could probably make more delivering pizza. Um, so I don't know that I'd want to become a, an accountant, per se. Um, I've always saw myself either as a small business owner. I mean, I could potentially see myself um, moving up toward a CFO role, but I really, what kind of scares me about that is going through, like, the whole controller, you know, that whole process up. Yeah. I think those so. big decisions are the type of ones, like, you think about, but you can't really make until you get there. Sure. You so know? kind of where I'm at right now is I'm just trying to put myself in the best position to excel later on. Um, and I think an accounting degree is kind of the way to do that. It's hard, too, when you – it's like, here's where I want to be, but I'm only here. And so it's like <laughs> you, you have to go through the day-to-day of it feels like no progress, feels like no change, but you're just grinding, grinding, grinding. Yeah, because yeah, you then, don't know how long those steps no. in between are, but you know you got to do them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Jonathan, what about for you? Where, what's your school, career, passion path gone? Yeah, so I'm definitely not like Ben. I went to college having no idea what I wanted to major in. Everyone in my family before me had gone to college. It was really highly encouraged in my All family to go to college. Them, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I Ben got... has a large family. I mean, John has a large family, so him not going is like a pretty small, like, it's a pretty big difference in the family. Of yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so I started out at SPU, and then my family had some financial troubles, and I I went to Shoreline Community College to finish up and get my AAA, and then I transferred to UW. And I thought by the time I had transferred to UW that I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I was going to major in econ. I had this business internship at an insurance firm. Um And then I got another internship at this company called CBRE. They were a real estate firm. And uh, I I really thought I wanted to be a financial analyst. I I had read some books on on finance, and I thought I loved it. But then I got to the job, and I was sitting in the office chair staring at Excel for eight hours a day, and I I was going crazy. I realized I couldn't do that. I I just hated it. And as a kid, I had always told myself I would never never work in an office and so I kind of had to do some self-reflection and I realized like the only reason I was like sticking with this internship was because I wanted the the high status of the financial analyst and I wanted the like safe career um and I was like you know what I'd rather make less money do what I love and be happy and so I've kind of completely switched routes I uh now I'm like fully supporting myself working at Dick's Drive-In, which is not not a great job. It's not the best. It's not the worst. But, you know, I'm grinding. 
working like 48 hours a week and I'm just trying to save up some money and I'm going to utilize their scholarship program to major in Russian and my girlfriend and I are planning on going overseas to Russia after we both graduate and teaching English there for a year or two and then when I come back I want to do real estate full time. There you go. Yeah. And, and, and too it's like that adds stuff and experiences to your tool belt and the other things it's like hey if I was just going this path from 18 to 22 and doing this and doing that, okay, great, then what happens? But it's like you're, you're grabbing little stuff that's going to help you 5 and 10 and 20 years down the road. So it's so funny. When I, I met Jonathan a couple months ago, and he's, like, talking to me about, all, you know, all the stuff, and he's like, oh, yeah, econ major, and I'm doing this. And I was like, I'm looking in a mirror at myself you know, <laughs> ten, 10 years ago, and then even listening to the other episodes on the pod, it's like reading Think and Grow Rich and How to Influ- yeah. Friends and Influence People. It's like, I was doing the okay. same things 10, 10 years ago and everything. This so. finds me really interesting because I, I really want to know what what went through your mind when you first realized you were seeing yourself and Jonathan. What were you thinking about? Um, Do you remember? Or is yeah, it no, 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 totally. Just totally. wasted it was, or something. It was, no, no, it was, it was a networking event a couple months back mm-hmm. um, that we met. And it's like the the thing is of it doesn't. I was I was always thinking of like so I'm, so I'm talking with him and it's like hey get to know you kind of stuff and I mean the the other options of people t- to talk to were pretty barren mm-hmm. uh, from that other guy that we talked with and everything so um, it was just something of <laughs> Jonathan was intrigued and and asked good questions and had some follow up and I was like oh okay well, seemed like I, he was I, actually I, interested right it's like I'm not I'm not just talking into the air you know he's like oh pretty similar stuff and then a lot of it from from my perspective it's like. I'd rather just sit back and, and ask some questions and, mm-hmm. and see what the other person says. So um, it's it's always about, from from my perspective of, and again, help, you know, if of uh, being younger people trying to make it, you know, professionally or feeling like, oh, I can't, you know, oh, I don't I don't have the right to talk to this person or, or oh, you know, I'm scared. It's, you know, something that I always think of, it's um, the person who should initiate is the person who can. And that's something that, that Jonathan is, and his brother Roman did of, of uh, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. It's like if you have time to initiate with someone, then you should do mm-hmm. it. And from, you know, me being like, oh, you know, he's okay. He's a little bit younger than me. I don't want to like say, hey, you've, we've got to meet up for coffee. We've got to do this. Like I really only kind of want to do that if, if he was wanting to. But then by him reaching out and saying, hey, we should get together, you know, hey, I want to learn about real estate. I'm like, great. I'm happy to share because I'd love, you know. I love it, but I don't want to just go around and say that to everyone. Mm-hmm. It's only if someone's willing. So it's, I always think of the person who sh- should initiate is the person who can. Okay. So, and, sorry. And, and, and Jonathan did that really well. Yeah. But I think that's really interesting. Just, it sounds like in networking in general, in anything, if you need to network, that like you were saying, what made you interested is Jonathan was interested. He actually was invested. There was a little yep. bit of passion yep. behind what he was doing and he initiated as well. Um, well, uh, further along. Right. So that's something that I think networking in general is really important. Um, you know, if you don't ever ask, you're, n- you're not going to know. So mm-hmm. might as well initiate. And yep. there's going to be people out there like Garrett who are more than happy to talk to you also. Right. Because it's like... In- not always, but there will be. Yep. And, and it's, al- it's always all about the follow-up too. Because mm-hmm. like there's plenty of people that are like, hey, bro, you know, we should get together. Yeah, man, for sure. I got you. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. But yeah. It, it just, it falls on deaf ears or it's just an empty filler thing to say. Unless you actually mean something like, yeah, okay, cool, you know, sure, here's my number, you know, let's get together. Okay. Then you, then you wait and see if, if they're actually serious about okay. you know, wanting to meet up. Was there a point, was there like a specific point in your career or college, whatever, yeah. where you kind of realized like, oh, I should probably be networking if I really want to get ahead? 
Was there a specific point in time, or maybe that was when you started re- doing real estate where you start going to these network events? Yeah, and it's tough. Um, I can't think of any specific time, but even even the the feeling of you know Wednesday night after work, pouring down rain, no promise of meeting anyone to then get good business down the road. It's just I'm going to show up to this event because I said I would, and who knows what can happen. You know, but I'll have an open mind to it. So. Um, those, I mean, even those events are hard are hard for me to go to. Even being an extrovert or wanting, you know, saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm committed to it," yeah. when it's an it's always an unknown and it's after hours. It's like, hmm, I guess I should be doing this, but I don't really know. And am I going to see any fruits from it? And it's hit and miss. Yeah, just yeah. so many unknowns. It's hard to commit to things like that. But sometimes, you know, you got no other choice. Right. Yeah. I want to ask you. Um, you said that you started out in sports casting. Was it? Uh, just sports marketing sports or any, marketing. anything around sports business, yeah. But I, th- you know, as a kid, I thought I was like, oh, cool, you know, be on the radio or be <laughs> on TV or announcing, you know, stuff. So yeah, it was all all stuff that I had thought about, you know, from younger. And it's like, oh, that's not as realistic. Or oh, there's only hundred of those type of people. Or oh, there's only, you know, this many people that have it. So, but yeah, that was a thought. So at what point during your internship in college did you realize it wasn't for you? Did you complete the internship? Did it take a while after the internship? Um, yeah, it was so it was a minor league baseball team, so it was the season was only during the summer. So it was, you know, realizing it in the beginning or in the in the middle of it. But and and I I worked there for two different um two summers in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh and so it was just one of those things of of crap there's a lot of a lot of work to this and not a lot of mm-hmm. fun to it and and it's um you know lots of competition for those type of jobs within 10 20 years down the road people are still interning and bouncing around from small town to small town yeah. and saying okay yeah i got you know i'm not so much of a career right yeah. right right so so i would it, but yeah i saw you know just see it through to the end of that summer go back to school say i'm s- switching majors to general econ instead of sports business okay um so obviously um real estate now is becoming a fairly competitive career it's Mm -hmm. very saturated Mm -hmm. um for a lot of people it's seen as something easy to get into you know it's relatively easy to get your license extremely easy to get into yeah Yeah. and so i could imagine that it's um somewhat difficult to differentiate yourself um just with the amount of competition that's within the industry so how did you go about doing that when you first started out? When you first got into the industry, what did you start doing to set yourself apart from, you know, all the other first years that just entered in? Yeah, and that's that's a good um, a good question, Ben. And it's like, I think of, okay, what was I doing back then? Because there are so many peop- people, and, and that's something, too, that we talk about, the person who should initiate is the person who can. It's like, as a younger guy, do you have the confidence in yourself to say, hey, I know I can do the best job for you. And, and sometimes it's it's leaning on, you know, what, what I did in that and, you know, just starting out was leaning on my principal broker and saying, hey, this guy's been in real estate 25 years in town. Um, you'll get his experience with my boots on the ground. And, and you know, it's kind of let your personality show some. So it was I just tried to mitigate the insecurities and mitigate the weaknesses, lean on mm-hmm. my boss's strengths and and then lean into my strengths, too, and say, hey, uh, you know, you you're. The joke that I made, but it was serious, is I'll treat you like you're my only deal because you are my only deal. <laughs> and, and that was true. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like, you know, you're just starting out. You're just trying to put one together. And it's like, okay, you don't get paid for three months or six months. And when you do, it's 
it's for you know a small amount, but mm-hmm. it's, it's enough to get by and enough to get the ball rolling. So you know, in just starting out, it's always about you know leaning on your boss or or using um, the company that you're with or whatnot to kind of prop you up yeah. a little bit. So, so why do you see so much burnout within the industry? I can imagine that people leave pretty quickly. Yep, it's it's an in, it's an independent contractor business, so it's easy to get in, easy to get out. Yep. Um, and and I would I would really say people get in because they say, and and Jonathan was asking me this when I was meeting up with him, and I I, I laugh because it because it hurts. Of, <laughs> is it great that you get to set your own schedule and be your own boss? And it's like, legitimately, last night I was talking to this guy at 11 p.m. because he'd been ignoring my call, ignoring my call, and then he emailed me and said, "Hey, can you talk now?" <laughs> and I was like, you know, I won't say the guy's name, but it's like, hey, you know. We've we've talked about getting together. I know you're seeing houses with a different realtor. I want your business. I'm you know, and I'm thinking of if he would just work with me, then I can get you know get the deal done, make him happy and everything. Otherwise, he's just going to spin round and round with someone else. And so it's like I'd rather have half of something than all of nothing. And so it's like I need to talk to this guy at eleven o'clock last night to then turn around and show him houses this morning from eight to noon and Bothell, Newcastle, South Seattle. You know, and they're all over the map. That's a, that's yeah. That's a lot of driving for one day. Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah, and uh, but so it's 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 the funny part of of oh, don't you you know why why is there burnout? Because people can let their clients kind of pull them around and pull them in different directions, and it's hard because it's I don't necessarily know all the time when to say no or when to put up boundaries uh, because I also see if huh, if I just if I I just say yes to this person, then I'll be you know then I'll be their guy for now. But then I'm getting pulled over here from someone else too. So um, there's a lot of burnout because it's a slow ramp up period. You don't see the big commission checks right away, and it's it's really more psychology and sociology than it is sales. It's it's yeah. it's laying out all the options, saying, "Hey, you could get this place in Bothell, this condo in Newcastle, this townhouse in South Seattle. Um, they're all different prices. They all have different, you know." Price, condition, location is what I always tell people then to prioritize those three. And then you can only get two out of three because you can't have a cheap price, your favorite location, and the best condition of, you know, house or condo. Yeah. It's, you, you've got to pick what you want because there's always variables and everything. Mm-hmm. So That's it. I'm wondering, are you willing to talk about, um, I, I don't know how much you could even, uh, about like, some numbers maybe when you were first starting out mm-hmm. on like what some of those commission checks would look like and maybe how, how what it took to get the first one or yeah I mean the the you know okay so the first couple of commission checks just come in at at three four five grand because you're selling um, you know and this is also 2012 2013 oh okay yeah. so it you know low, true, that right, low, lower lower price point uh-huh. but to get um, you know, they say it's you know, okay. You know, each realtor gets three percent, but then I've got to pay the boss some. I've got to pay you know other. You know, it gets cut throughout everything yeah. else of the company that you're at. Then if someone gave you the lead, or if it's you know, if you're paying marketing to help get you a lead. So I mean, those first couple of checks, yeah, are are five grand or less, but only coming every three months. Okay, and that's when you can say, hey, I can make more money delivering pizzas. Yeah, or over here, yeah. or hey. I, Man, I, I I got my side hustle going. I made three hundred bucks from my side hustle today, and I don't think I'm going to sell a house, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time. Okay, so I guess uh, another follow up question to that is, how long did it take before you got that first check? And after that, 
was it still very inconsistent or did you ever see like a steady increase? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the steady increase didn't cut it. So it was about two years okay. of no money to low money. Okay. And then it, um, you know, the exciting thing is, uh, is that, you know, it, it's, you know, the, the growth potential is there mm-hmm. and everything. So it's like the more calls you make, the more st- activity you're doing, the, the more action that you're going to, you know, get on the real estate side. So it was it was two years of making very little money. And it helped that I was, um, you know, living with some other people and expenses were low and I didn't have any other sort of responsibilities. I, okay. you know, I kind of put blinders on and said, I'm going all in on real estate. I'm not working side jobs. I know I'm going to stick to this but it's going to take a few years to build up. So it was, I think had I, you know, had I been saying, Hey, I've got one foot in real estate, but then I'm also doing this thing over here. And, you know, then it just would have been 50, 50 and then a slow demise. So that going Mm -hmm. back to your question of, you know, why do people get out of it? Uh, get out of the industry is, um, because there's a lot of people that are just saying, Oh, I, I could do this or I could do that. And then they pick, you know, something else or they're not really committed to it. So it's not willing to wait for that slow beginning mm-hmm, period. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I bet there's, there's probably statistics that the dropout rate is probably much higher. The closer it is to the first when you started, I'm sure like the first two years or something is a lot higher than the next three or something. Mm-hmm. Now that we're on this subject of money, I did some research and the medium gross income of realtors was 41,800 in 2018. And I'm just wondering uh, you definitely don't have to, but if you're comfortable sharing like where you're at in those numbers and like yeah. where you were your first two years versus like where you're at closer to now. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my first two years were 32,000, 50,000. Uh, and, and that's just, you know, of, of the commission end of mm-hmm. year check. So, so it's you, not taxes or anything. Yeah. Or? Yeah. Still got to pay taxes. Okay. Still got to do whatever else you got to do. Cause he's an independent contractor. So that's all on you. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And you know, how many hours would you say you worked the first two years? It, it's hard. I, I'm probably less than I should have, Yeah. but it was, it was so much of feeling burnt out because it's all stuff you're learning for the first time. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, hosting an open house for someone else in your office was really draining because I didn't I didn't know the questions to what people were saying when they were coming in and and what does this mean what does that mean it's like I don't know I you know, I, you know so I was it, it's a lot of pressure anytime you're trying to learn something new and um, so especially because you're literally learning it on the job right right, right. Yeah. so so it's like hey I think that I'm working every single day and holding open house on Saturday Sunday and showing around these people that say they're gonna buy a house but they may not um, but then that means that I was crashing and burning on Monday and Tuesday morning and not getting up and going to the office oh, okay. and making the calls, you know, kind of thing. So um, it's hard to say, but it's it's varied from 30 hours a week to 70 hours a week and trying to stay back in the middle. But then it's I've got to go at times when people are available. Mm-hmm. So. And I think uh, before being discouraged by like that number, that low number we got from John, I'm sure that's a lot because that has to be accounting for everyone, right? And that's accounting for a lot of the people who aren't making money in their first couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So I would look up that statistic regionally probably or something if you're interested, especially because the markets can change so much and based so on where you are. You said that was like your first two years, but you've been in it for eight years. So yeah. I, I imagine now you... You've seen some improvement. Totally, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, so then it kind of hockey sticks up from there of once you're getting an understanding and you're working with some clients and you're building, you know, you're building your network of people, then, you know, the income can really go up. But then you just face new challenges because I, I felt like for me, 
each year I've started to run a new business because I've, I can't do the same things. You know, it's like, okay, great. I sold 24 houses in Seattle last year, but this year I want to sell 35. So I can't be doing the same activities that burnt me out selling 24 and then just expect to do yeah. 35 this year. So I've got to pay a little bit more to get my, um, they call the CRM, you know, client relations manager to, to, you know, just your system of follow-up notes and when to reach out to people again and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I've got to button that up so that I'm not letting people fall through the cracks that I've talked to or shown houses to, and then they go buy from someone else. So it's a little bit of strike while the iron's hot and um, everything like that, but it's it definitely feels like, okay, great, income's going up, but so are the activities that I've got to do and how I've got to do mm-hmm. a change too. So a lot of times you get... And again, this will be my hope down the road of if I can kind of put some systems in place and put stuff on repeat, then I can have consistent good year, good year, good year, and keep it yeah. about the same or or do new projects and do some fun stuff that don't take so much brain power or don't take so much of the, you know, me in the car for a couple hours a day kind of a thing. Okay. I see. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, I mean, I've learned that too. When you're your own boss for anything, uh, you're, I mean, you're constantly figuring out and you're constantly having to try new things. I mean, because you always want to get better. So it, it's definitely doesn't and stop. Jason, I mean, you, you probably feel the same way of people pulling you in different directions or, yeah. hey, do this for me or do that for me or, yeah. or what What can I get from you? Mm-hmm. you know, do, do you kind of feel like people see you as a commodity at some point? Or how do you balance, you know, people's request of, of hey, I need you to do this for me? Yeah, so it depends because, like, right now I'll, I would – I don't know if I should say this publicly, but right now I would probably accept almost any job. <laughs> um, I have clients and when I'm working on deals and stuff in the works, but um, I'm definitely still at a stage where anything is good. Um, but I definitely know and I can already feel that I'm approaching it where I'm not going to be able to say yes to everything. And there already was a time where I was getting overflowed, flooded like that. Um, and there's definitely going to be time where you can't say yes to everything. Um, just almost with anything, you got to be more selective with the direction you want to take your business and what you're doing and uh, stick to that. And I'm not there yet because in the beginning, I think you definitely do. You got to say yes. You got to establish a base. But at some point, and it's going to feel risky, and I know it's going to, I'm kind of getting there right now, where I'm going to have to start saying no to projects I want, but really don't help me in the long run. It's just a little bit of a cash grab now. And I think um, that's about building those relationships with people and establishing longer term business relationships. And that's what it's about. And uh, I'm kind of starting to do that now, but I'm still just on the very brink of the iceberg of that. So I, I, I don't have like I, I kind of understand intellectually what's going to happen and that it is happening, but I'm not really in it yet to know too well. Right. Yeah. And Ben, I was I was thinking for you of of a, you know a different you know different style, but along the same topic of if you're in school right now, if you're in college or or doing whatever, how do you not get antsy with the I just want to be out working and starting my business and growing this. You know, how do you stick to, I know I'm going to see this through to completion. I know it's what I'm supposed to do. I'll get to the next step down the road, but I've got to go to this class. I've got to do this homework. I've got to do this group project. Yeah, set goals. That's That's been huge for me. Um, it's really easy to become um, unmotivated mm-hmm. in the day-to-day of it. Um, so personally, I set a lot of goals, and I make sure that I'm staying on the right track always. Um, and if I'm not, I try to fix it to the best of my ability. But, you know, because of that, I'll know generally the direction I'd like to end up, you know, years out. 
and I know that going to this class is going to allow me to do this, which is going to allow me to do this, and so on and so forth. Um, so setting goals for me is really important, and it keeps me motivated day in and day out. Very cool. Yeah, and then, so it's like those those little things of, okay, I, I can get past this step and then on to the next one and seeing those tangible yep. little things. Okay. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. you pass up, you know, you go through a quarter doing all the little homework assignments, you pass the class, which allows you to take um, the next class in the series, which when you pass that, you graduate. When you graduate, you go get a job. When you get a job, you're able to move up in the company, things like that. I think it's important to be able to see the fruits of your labor and setting goals will help you <laughs> realize that a little more and be like, I'm not just sitting here doing nothing. I'm actually, stuff's happening. I'm, I'm getting stuff done to help me out. And uh, yeah, setting goals is going to help you realize that you are doing that and you're not just standing still and make sure you keep doing that too. For sure. Yeah. For you, Jonathan, what, you know, what have you seen? Because, I mean, even, again, just from meeting you a couple months ago, of, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to UW, foster school, business, CBRE, internship, to the now of I want to learn Russian. I'm going to teach abroad. You know, then I'm going to come back and do this thing. Like, how do you come to those conclusions and say, here's what I'm going to set out to do next year and the year after and the year after that? That's a good question. I think when I was at my internship, I realized how much time it was consuming. And for me, knowing it already wasn't for me. And uh, for with the commute, I just knew it wasn't feasible for me to be financially supporting myself and spending that much time at an internship I knew I didn't want to end up at. And so for me, it's really about time management and how I'm able to support myself while still getting to where I want to be. And I, I realize, like, right now I'm young and I don't have a lot of, like, responsibilities. Like, I have to pay rent and everything like that. But I'm able to travel. And I don't have a family yet. And so it's been my dream to travel to, like, Russia for a long time now. And I just wanted to do it while I'm young. And so if I don't start planning for that, I'm going to be 29 and still never have done it. <clears throat> I got to say, I think, honestly, I think that's impressive, Jonathan, that you um, – were able to quit when you did. I know if it was me, I probably would have stuck it out even if I knew that that probably wasn't the direction I wanted to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you say that you don't, I mean, well, you, you do. You know really well where you want to end up, and you knew that wasn't the right path to get there, and so you took concrete steps, and I think that's really cool because I don't think that I would do the same thing if I were in your shoes. Mm-hmm. So good job on that. Yeah, it's Thanks, hard to, hard to change paths when you've been on one for a while. Mm-hmm. Really hard, and not that you totally did, but you know, yeah, yeah, super cool. <clears throat> also, Russia will probably be pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> money was definitely a motivating factor too. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. The bank account money. was getting really low. Yeah, family sports not really there. Rents coming up. Yeah. Yeah, gotta gotta <laughs> find something to. Yeah. To you gotta make decisions. That. Yeah. I want to ask you, Garrett, though. Go for it. How do you set boundaries with your clients? I've met with other realtors, and they've. They said that, oh, Tuesday's my day off. I don't answer any phone calls or texts on Tuesday. Do you have to do something like that? Do you designate a certain day for yourself? Yeah, it it, it varies. And no, I haven't made it that specific um, for the reason of, you know, oh, wondering there could be someone out there, you know, Tuesday morning or there, you know, there could be something, you know, something yeah, like that. You're missing that out. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. So sometimes it's putting the my phone on airplane mode for mm-hmm. a few hours, but it's always little chunks at a time. And it's like now, you know, as a, as a single guy just living with random buddies, I can be up late doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what happened? So I, I'm in, I'm engaged as of a couple months ago, and so getting married this oh, summer. Nice. Congratulations! Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then it's like, okay, now 
priorities are going to change for dinner time, evening, where yeah. instead of just going and getting fast food and watching TV, it'll be me and my wife, you know, talking and catching up on the day and, and you know, everything like that. So it's, okay, maybe then those evening times need to be blocked out. Um, I mean, I still think I'm always going to do the, the Saturday, Sunday thing. And I try to, I try to push all my weekend appointments to say, you know, either one day or the other, um, to then get some time to relax. But it's, then it's always on that, you know, the, the day that I say I'm not working, that's when I'm working on, okay, what do I need to get done this week? Or, Hey, I'm just going to chill and make, make some cold calls that I, mm-hmm. you know, are, are important, but not urgent. You know, it's like, okay, now, now's the time to do that. So it, I just, I just really vary on the activities that I'm doing. Like I couldn't sit and do data entry for a couple hours in a row. Like my eyes will hurt. And so I've got to get up and do that. But I also couldn't be showing houses to people back to back to back. So how I break up, you know, my days and in my week is just, uh, you know, to kind of vary the tasks that I'm doing and, and prioritizing it based off of, you know, what's important and what's urgent and what's not important, not urgent, and kind of finding the time to say, hey, this is a this is a marketing project for down the road, but I've got some time to do it now, you know. Yeah. Stuff, so. Finding open spaces of time and making use of them. But it does sound like you are thinking about a little bit, you know, making sure you rest a bit and, you know, kind of relax. Yeah. Still, you're still thinking about that. Maybe if even if you haven't set a hard day. You're, totally, yeah. totally. And it, and, it, and it comes from, I mean, from, and I, just from my like mental and physical health, it comes from a point of having gone through crash and burn and seasonal yeah. depression. That's no fun. No, no, no. And, and feeling it's like, I don't have control of my own life mm-hmm. because I'm letting the phone, I'm letting my clients, I'm letting whoever else, you know, dictate how I go. And so it's like, I don't want to get back to the point a couple of years ago of feeling sad, lonely, depressed, unsure of myself, feeling, like I said, you know, pulled in every direction by everyone. It's like, I've got to set aside time to work out. I've got to set aside time to eat healthy or take some time for myself or say, nope, can't do that. I can do, you know, and provide an alternative. Hey, I can't show you houses Friday night at five o'clock in traffic, but I can do it Friday at noon or Saturday morning or, you know, Sunday afternoon kind of a thing. So it's a little bit of, of, knowing having been to the depths of seasonal depression and feeling like the world is crashing down on me of saying, Nope, I got to speak up for myself. I can do this, that, or the other thing. Um, but I can't do that. And you have to kind of stick to your guns a little bit by just mm-hmm. saying, Hey, you know, I, I can't do whenever you say, but here's when I can. Yeah. So. Got to draw that line. Right. Yeah. And just kind of going off of what you said, but making my own point here also uh-huh. um, of how important rest just in general is for everything in your function from just feeling energized and feeling like you're feeling motivated to go work. Literally, if, you, if you're not eating enough vegetables, I'm going to get really technical. But like, actually, if you get like some proper sleep and eat some more vegetables and you normally don't, you're going to feel so much better. You're going to feel more motivated to do what you want to do. I guarantee it. I've gone through that like multiple times, some areas where I'm just not eating well, not getting good sleep. And as soon as I do, it's just, it's like I'm a new person. And this is, this is not just me either. This is across the board. This is scientific research. If you get enough sleep, you get good nutrients, you're going to function better. You're going to be more motivated and just more energetic across the board. It's a little separate thing, but this is like also very true. It's spot on. Yeah. And Jason, don't you think that it's like everything's connected? Yeah. You know, a good night's sleep, good food, you know, what you're feeding your, you know, your, you know, mental, physical, mm-hmm. spiritual health is all connected in a way that then then affects 
how you treat the people around you, totally how you agree. how yeah. you do in your work, how you your 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 self talk mm-hmm. uh, and everything like that. So, and just uh, to finish to finish up my point, also like because. I see this in my work all the time, being in creative work, looking at images and making sure that things look as good as they should. Um, you know, I'll work for sometimes, I'll get so focused in, I'll work for hours on end at the computer. I will, will hold in my pee. I won't go eat food. I'll just like stay grinding like, no, I got to finish this. But every time I take a break, I do any even a small break, I take a 10-minute nap, I come back, I see something I never would have seen for the next 10 hours if I just kept pushing and working. Because your brain needs that rest to reset and kind of and, and just come back with fresh eyes, basically. And that every single time I ever step away, I make a point now from any project to periodically at important points in the project to step away for even a day sometimes and come back and look at it with fresh eyes. And there's always things I never would have saw without doing that. So I think it's really important to make that, sure you... That reminds me of this one story. Do that. Sorry, real quick. Okay. Um, last year, I was, yeah, I was taking this class and um, I was really struggling with this problem, could not figure it out, spent probably five hours this one night, literally like times. five hours trying to figure out how this, how this, uh, finance problem would shake out. And, uh, I was like planning on going to office hours in the morning. I was getting all stressed out about it cause there was a test coming up. Mm-hmm. So I just went to sleep and I'm like, Hey, there's nothing I can do about this. Next day I woke up and I solved the problem in like three minutes. Yeah, it was like, are you, out. are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah. You'd always think you can push through, but it's like, no, biology says your brain needs rest. It's yeah. just how it is. Anyways, you were going to say something. Oh, I was, I was going to ask of, of you know, oh, yeah. Ben Stories. and Jonathan. Do you, I mean, do you guys agree with Jason on this? Have you, yeah. you know, have you heard these stories before? How do you, how do you guys have all three of you have been buddies and know each other for a long time, but all different personalities, different jobs, different, yeah. you know, life, you know, situations. How do you guys all, you know, connect and relate to each other <clears throat> and help each other out on those kind of stuff? Um, honestly, for me personally, I'll, uh, talking a lot, so I'll keep this brief, but <laughs> like, uh, before we started this podcast, I was working on some things, but wasn't really pursuing new clients as much. And, uh, doing this, having something that reminded me, reignited that creative passion. It's like, oh, I need to start going, getting new clients and working hard. So for me, it's always hard to start things. So when I can find something to start, that'll bleed over into helping me stay motivated and other things a lot of the time. Yeah. Having someone to hold you accountable is really important. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, especially since we've been doing the podcast, you got to practice what you preach. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we talked a lot about um, ways – uh, that you can improve your performance in school or whatever and um, or figuring out what you want to do with your life. And, you know, for me, it's – I mean, I, w- I was ta- doing some things, but it's really inspired me to step it up mm-hmm. um, and really take that next step. Um, so, yeah, I would say having people to hold you accountable is really important and just yeah. walk with you through the process like um, Garrett, like your boss at the beginning, yeah. someone who can help you out with that t- with If that you have a group of friends or like-minded individuals – um, just talking to them because even coming here, like I said, doing this podcast just gets my brain juices flowing. I'm thinking about other things now that are going to apply to my regular work. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's good good to talk to like-minded people in general also. It's going to help out. That's, uh, I do that all the time. But another thing too is what Ben was saying is practice what you preach. And on this podcast, we're pra- we're preaching a lot of entrepreneurial spirit and starting your own business and that kind of stuff. And that's really what I want to do. And sitting on my computer desk, looking at Excel at my internship. It was, it was a great opportunity, but it wasn't a lot of entrepreneurial spirit there. And I realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I think like just having different 
career paths on the podcast like yourself and like like Adam the plumber has really helped me figure out what I want to do and pursue that. Yeah. Yeah. It's dope. Yeah. I think this is a good spot to move on to John's book segment. Um, so, John, what do you got this week? This week I got a book that Garrett actually recommended to me when I asked him for book advice. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the book talks about this uh, guy who had two fathers in his life. Um, one was his poor dad who had multiple college degrees and a government pension. And then he talks about his rich dad who never finished high school. And it just gives a lot of different perspectives on the world and the nine to five rat race that a lot of people are trapped in. And the whole book is like centered around developing a mindset of uh, financial knowledge and financial freedom. Um, he talks about assets as anything that generates money or increases in value over time and liabilities as anything that takes money out of your pocket. And he says the main difference between the rich and poor is that the rich buy assets first and luxuries last, while the poor middle class buy luxuries first. It sounds pretty basic, but if you think about it, it's true. Well, it's always, in that book, it's always the dichotomy of both, it's the, both sides of the coin of saying, Here's one route you can go, and then here's the exact opposite, and see you know, and, and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about like investing in yourself. He says financial education isn't taught at high school or college, but he paid like hundreds of dollars in like financial educational courses, and um, he talks about how you have to pay yourself first. It's a big rule of his. Like, if you get a paycheck, you start saving and investing first, then you pay your bills with what's left, not the other way around. Yeah, I just no, thought that really was really advice. interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if uh, <clears throat> Just in general, one, even if you're like 17, 18 years old, maybe you work a part-time job, maybe you don't. If you have any money coming in at all, just set up a budget. Set up, you know, it's, 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 gonna, it's a good habit, no matter how little, to start doing because it's only going to help you down the road. And you start now, it's only going to help you more, um, just getting those disciplines early. Uh, and, and, you know, there's lots of great resources online um, that can help you out there. But, you know, just simple stuff like, you know, only spending 10% on, you know, clothing or something of whatever you're bringing in. You can, you know, figure out how much you're making based on your how much you're making. Your budget obviously changed. But, you know, set those limits and stick to those limits. You know, um, you, and you're gonna, I think you're going to be surprised that even if you're making a little bit amount of money, that it's not too hard to stick in with those if you're not, like, you know, an addictive spender on, like, clothes or shopping or something. I don't know what people spend money on. Target. Target. It's my weakness. <laughs> yeah. Can't yeah. go in yeah. that store. Yeah. At least you admit it, Ben. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least you admit it. But anyways, yeah. So, Garrett, what is um, – what is how did you, you kind of get into um, financial man- – like, what does that look like for you? Um, what got you started on that? Do you save money, invest it yourself, or you, like – um, put it all into a 401k. What do you, mm-hmm. what does that look like for you, a young professional? Yeah, yeah, it's spread out a little bit, and and just like what we're talking about, it's not it's not one off stock, or it's not ooh now I've got money I'm going to go do this. Mm-hmm. It was I'm going to set aside money, you know, every month. Then and you know it's it's coming out, you know, um, you know, d- direct deposit, and, and it's getting pulled from from my checking account every month, no matter what. So it's. It's yeah. It's it's find a financial planner that's you know going to set you up, and you know you hope for um, compounding interest and saying, hey, I'm going to put in a couple hundred bucks each month, and then boom, a couple years later, you know, a couple years later, it's 
doubled and everything like that. So yeah, really that, look into investing. Don't just, you know, people mention it and people are like, oh, yeah, it's a good thing to do, but actually like do yep, it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I would say, and, and the and the best thing for me was, was getting with a um, financial planner at 23, 24 and saying, hey, I'd, I want to buy a house, but I don't have enough money to buy a house yet, but I know that I can put money towards life insurance, 401k, you know, some mutual funds, everything like that. And I just wanted to get, you know, get that ball rolling there. And then, so it's like, okay, then a couple years later, you know, I was able to buy a place and then, you know, do all that and move and, and, you know, get more capital and then flip a house because it's just like, okay, great. I finally have enough, you know, bankroll to say, okay, and now I can throw money at contractors and, and yeah. say, Hey, if I do 50 grand of cash, it could mean a hundred grand of equity down the road. So let's do that. But I never would have had the 50 grand of cash had I not been saving month over month, little Two hundred, three hundred dollar chunks. Okay, that's yeah, that's great. That's great. So, um, that's interesting. Uh, getting together with a financial advisor really mm-hmm. early. Is that some mm-hmm. does that does it help tremendously, or would you recommend doing that? Or? Totally, and, yeah. and it's but it's got to be what Jonathan said of. Okay, are you committed to doing it because it's not yeah. sexy? It doesn't it doesn't yeah. give you any benefit in the short term, and it pulls money. Mm-hmm. That you could be spending at Target with Ben. Can I, can I ask spree. how much were you spending on the financial advisor in the beginning, at least, or? Um, not not sure on like his specific fees yeah. and everything, um, but yeah, just putting in, you know, the the five thousand five hundred a year for the mm-hmm. you know Roth IRA, and then you know doing little stuff for investments and life insurance. Um, yeah, so I think it, that's awesome because like so many people go to doctors for advice on like their their physical health, but not a lot of people take the step to go to a financial planner for their financial health. Yeah, and it's like I, I sitting in my pajamas doing day trading stocks, I would have picked the wrong one and, and got scared or sold at the wrong time. So I knew it's like I, it needs to kind of be out of sight, out of mind, and, mm-hmm. and like on my budget plan for, but not, you know, riding the wave of the stock yeah. market. I think you made a really good point there where um, – it, it, it's it, at, least, at the very least worth like getting help alleviating the headache of not knowing what you're doing at all. You know by talking to an financial advisor, at least you're investing into knowledge that's going to help you. Um, yeah, but yeah, because you know a lot of people are just telling people start day trading now and stuff. But like, if you don't know what you're doing, you're probably throwing your money away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And even on the real estate side, there's a lot of risk to saying I want to be a developer and I'm going to make some townhouses and buy a lot, you know, split it at you know add this because of the zoning. Okay, great. But if that one project goes bad, then you're out of, you know, money and in the hole no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's of, of doing one-off little stuff and going all in on just one avenue of investing or risk is super tough. So, yeah. so when you're helping, a, like, a seller sell their house, mm-hmm. do you ever put in a good amount of money to help them improve the house to sell it? Yeah, and it's like I I shouldn't be doing this, but I've I've t- you know done money out of my pocket to say, hey, I know that you you know you, you don't have the cash to do these repairs now, but it needs to happen, and if we do it, I think it'll be two x or three x the value on the back end. So I'll throw in some of my cash, knowing that I'm going to get paid down the road. But I can't you know it's, it's like I can't come with that mentality if I'm. Um, you know, tripping over a quarter to pick up a nickel to be like, oh no, I can't, I yeah. can't help you out. I got to save. You know, oh, I, you know, I've got to do this. So there is, there is a sense of generosity to say, hey, seller, yes, I'll help you out because I know I'm going to get paid mm-hmm. back on the back. Still end. a calculated risk, though. It's a calculated risk, yeah, because yeah, you're then you're floating them for a couple months on, you know, new appliances or or hey, I've got this great, you know, if you just knock out this wall and put in these countertops and do that and the other thing, I think we can get way more. 
But then the seller says, hey, I, I, just, I can't take that on. I don't have the money for it. And it's like, okay, well, I, I, I got you for now, but I better get paid back on the back end kind mm-hmm. of thing. So it happens. I, I shouldn't be doing it as often, um, but that's kind of the competitive advantage to say, why choose me over someone else? Mm-hmm. I'll help you go from start to finish on a remodel to help you maximize your value. That, that seems like something that you're pretty confident you're going to be able to flip successfully when you're doing that, though, right? Right. And, yeah. and, I've, and I've said no a couple of times, too, of saying yeah. it, it's not going to do you any good. We, we just got to sell this as is or no, you know, really on the back end of I don't really believe in that neighborhood or the mm-hmm. or the, you know, it's you know, or the product or whatnot. And so that kind of a thing. But I uh, is you guys have any other questions you really want to get in there? I have a question kind of head towards wrapping up here. Um, just kind of something we like to ask people is if you could go talk to yourself, you know, when you were starting out in real estate yep. or whatever a pivotal point is, um, that one seems most relevant at the moment, but uh, what was some advice you would have, you would tell yourself if you could see yourself then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just lacked so much self-confidence. To I would go back and tell myself, um, you know, just just believe in who you are and know that everything is connected and not letting that person that says no to you on the phone affect your interaction with the next person. So, uh, let, you know, let stuff roll off your back a little bit. I'm still being in tune with personality types and mirroring and matching Mm -hmm. and, and finding, you know, that right balance of connecting with the person, but at the same time, not letting that totally affect your interaction with the next client. Um, so I would go back and tell myself, you know, you've got to understand, you know, everything in your life is connected. And if you have a bad day doing this, it's going to affect your work. It's going to affect yeah. your friends. It's going to affect your, your, you know, your well-being. So just, you know, nip those in the bud a little okay. bit and say, hey, yep, that was a bad interaction. Yeah. Or when I was, you know, uh, Jonathan, his brother Roman, came with me to look at um, this condo with this gal who is a super negative personality, but I know that that's the, that's the type. Mm-hmm. And they were asking me afterwards, like, how do you deal with a person like that? I'm like, you kind of have to just let them say their piece and get it off their chest. But I can't let that affect me because now I've got to go across town and show a different client yeah. something different. And I can't let that person's negativity then affect you know, what I'm doing moving forward. So. Okay. I think that's great. Yeah. And it's something you can, in networking, it seems like, especially you can get burnt out, talk to the same types of people over and over again. So I think that's actually, that's a great piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, before we close, if anyone's have closing thought statements or anything or thoughts, um, I uh, do just want to mention just real quickly back to, you know, budgeting. There's lots of great, especially if you're not making a lot of money, uh, things, great apps and things that can start out that can automatically start putting away that uh, money for you know, what you want to spend it on. So look into those resources if you're uh, just starting out and doing that. Those help a lot and are super cool. Even before you start budgeting, just be aware of where your money's going. Yeah. That really helps. Yeah. So yeah. Never just not know how much something is also. <laughs> Stuff like that. Garrett, where can our listeners, like, find you or or access you if anyone's yeah, you wanna buying or selling a house? Or, yeah. I'll pl- plug my Instagram, GB Living the Life. Okay. GB Living Life is going to be in the notes. <laughs> yeah. Followed. Yep. Yes, please, please do. And I'll post a lot of, you know, I'll post some personal stuff and some fun stuff, but it's it's a lot of real estate things too there. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm happy to have any conversation about, hey, I want to get into real estate. You know, I'll say, okay, you know, do you really? Here's, you know, here's what we, you know, we talked about on the podcast and everything like that. Or it's, it's a lot of what I tell people is don't, don't just come to me when you say I want to buy a house now. It's 90% prep and planning and 10% actually going out and looking at places and everything like that. So I would say if you know of anyone looking to buy or sell a house, 
please pass along my name or send it you know, six months or a year ahead of time and don't feel like it's a waste of time because there's so much planning and prep that goes into it because it is a big decision. And I yeah. respect that for people. Um, so that would be my plug. At GB Living the Life. Happy GB Perfect. Living the Life. Awesome. All right, Garrett, thank you so much for coming down. I had a thank great conversation. Yeah, thank thanks, you. Garrett. That's some interesting stuff to talk about. Awesome. Thank thanks. you. Appreciate it. Enterprise.